Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. They're America's number one sportsbook with an easy-to-use app that's safe and secure. And when I win, I get paid out in as little as two hours. And this season, FanDuel Sportsbook is making betting easy for everyone. With great promos like risk-free bets, enhanced odds markets, same-game parlays, and more. So if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started and sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 or older and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman. I will be joined in a moment by my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better Simon Hunter. This is a very special bonus episode. We've done a couple of these throughout the NFL season when news and current events compel us to do that. Simon, as we've discussed. This is the most popular sports betting podcast in the country. The numbers prove it, which means there are a lot of people listening who might not have access to legalized sports betting. Today, we're going to get them smart. Isn't that right? Yeah, we're going to find out who's got legalization, who doesn't. It's a lot of things are changing. Some states are getting legalized and they're becoming not legalized. It's uh, it's a crazy time right now in America, Chad. It is a crazy time uh, and no one is better at unpacking it all. Then Daniel Wallach, who I've known for several years, has has sort of established himself as the preeminent leader when it comes to understanding the legalities around sports betting. And back in the day when I was at ESPN and Dan was sort of establishing himself, he understood better than anyone the nuanced elements of legalization now that it's state by state, uh, especially with some very big states making news in Florida and in New York 
uh, over the past several months. It's a good time to have him on to discuss. Dan, good to see you, man. Uh, great to see you again, Chad. It's been uh, it's been a couple of years, and this will be the first podcast I've ever done from the busiest shopping mall in the country, from my gym with uh, Aventura Mall as the backdrop. But uh, for you, I put a stop to the Christmas season and uh, try try to update your audience on what's going on around the country, especially in Florida, where uh, shopping is more of a sure thing than betting. Yeah, right. So by the way, if you want to follow Dan at Wallach Legal, W-A-L-L-A-C-H Legal on Twitter. He's also a contributor to The Athletic. Before we get to Florida, mm-hmm. I want to start with New York State because New York State has legalized sports betting and it will launch sometime early in 2022 is the word. Explain to people what's happening there. Yeah, New York uh, passed a a very, I guess, unusual sports betting law that created a competitive bidding process. So even though the law was enacted uh, in May, the New York State Gaming Commission had to solicit bids and choose the winning bidders. And that process took roughly a half a year. So the nine online sports betting operators have been chosen. All the major companies are going to be participating, you know, with the exception of I think Barstool and Bet365, most of the name brands will launch. And the expectation is uh, that now that the rules and regulations from the Gaming Commission have been promulgated, licenses issued, it's going to be all systems go uh, in time for the Super Bowl, in all likelihood, by the early to middle part of January. At least that's the word I'm hearing uh, from some key plugged in lawmakers and regulatory officials. So there shouldn't be any controversy about that. It took a while but it was due to the competitive bidding process that very few states other than New Hampshire and and maybe Rhode Island have gone down that path. Usually it's you pass the law, issue licenses, and then that's it. Is New York still looking at that 50% tax? Is that a real thing? Did that get passed? 51%. New York did not not mandate a specific tax rate, but when you you, uh, use a competitive bidding arrangement, it basically is truth serum for the gaming industry, and it forces operators to put their best foot forward because if they don't bid 51%, they're going to lose out on the market to their competitors. And New Hampshire and Rhode Island and Delaware have basically already set the benchmark for a quote-unquote lottery-operated competitive bidding model for sports betting. And those, those states have 50 or 51% as a, I wouldn't call it a tax, it's more of a, a revenue share, almost akin to a private-public partnership where the state is sharing in the revenues, even though they're not doing anything, and the sports book. And the operators are taking all of the risk. Uh, the online sports betting is like Amazon. It's, you know, it's maybe lower profit margin, but the volume. You know, you're talking about a, you know, potential for a $2 billion a month handle in New York State in year one. Yeah, the revenue share is going to be problematic, but every online sportsbook operator will, will make out pretty well under this scenario. And I think down the road, if the system doesn't work out profitably for the, for the books, there's no prohibition against going back a year from now in the New York State Gaming Commission to just revise their, their contracts with the vendors. This is a private-public partnership, and under the statutory framework, the Gaming Commission has the authority to change any of the terms of the contract. So this is not going to go on in perpetuity. And I can just tell you from my experience in my home state of Florida, they once taxed slot machine revenues at either 50 or 60%, which is ridiculous. The operators complained, and they went back a couple of years later and tweaked it. And if New York is losing business to New Jersey, Connecticut, then you'll see a change maybe a year or two years out. But in the short term, I think location, location, location is going to make New York 
the top sports betting market in the country. The average consumer is not going to care about the tax rate so long as it does not manifest itself in higher you know, prices or worse promotions or, or, or deposit bonuses. On the retail level, the customer doesn't notice the difference. This is really about the so they're going to have to bump the lines up to make up for that. That's the downstream impact and is that the pricing won't be as good because the sports books are going to try to sort of pass that tax onto the consumer indirectly. And I think you could be right. I'm not uh, saying you're wrong, but uh, states like New Hampshire and Rhode Island tax at 51%, an identical revenue share, but they grant a monopoly or exclusivity to one operator. So maybe maybe having uh, that kind of a high, high tax rate where one company controls the market makes it worth the while. But those, comp- those, those companies, DraftKings and I believe IGT or William Hill, Caesars, they're doing well in those respective states. And I believe with nine operators, competition will force uh, in a, you know, a competitive marketplace, regardless of the tax rate. Dan, you mentioned uh, Florida. You're in Florida. Florida has been in the news the past seven weeks because of a variety of things regarding sports betting. Run people through sort of in as succinct and clear a way as you can. What was happening in Florida and then where it is now? Yeah, in in Florida, uh, Governor DeSantis uh, made the decision to operate sports betting through a tribal monopoly and entered into a, a class three gaming compact with the Seminole tribe of Florida, which is the largest tribe. Uh, in the country, granting them basically control over not only on-reservation betting, but statewide mobile betting. That compact was challenged in court because the federal law, which governs Indian gaming compacts, only permits compacts to address and authorize gambling activity that literally takes place on Indian lands and nowhere else. You can't have a compact that gives tribe authorization to operate outside of tribal land. So that compact was challenged in court. And the reason why the governor and the Seminole tribe moved forward with this structure is that they believe that just like in New Jersey and and in New York for online sports betting, that the location of the server is the paramount consideration in deciding and determining where the bet takes place. Legislature of New Jersey got around that requirement by saying, well, if the server is located in Atlantic City, then the bet takes place in Atlantic City. But federal courts have rejected that same principle and uh, a group challenged the Seminole Gaming Compact in court and argued that the location of the customer is more important than the location of the server because this federal law is very crystal clear on where the gambling has to take place. And every judicial decision which has interpreted this language in the context of internet wagering has held that the server is irrelevant and it's where the better is located that dictates where the bet is made. And as a result, the compact was invalidated. The case is now on appeal. And the clearest path to online sports betting in Florida lies with a ballot referendum that may or may not take place in November 2022. So we could be a year or more away from online sports betting unless the Seminole tribe miraculously, and I say miraculously in an understated way, prevail on this appeal. Yeah, Florida's not happening anytime soon. It's like Florida, California, Texas, for those of us in the betting space who know that we need to continue to have more states legalized in order to develop more of a tipping point and have mass scale. Those are the states that we're looking to three to five years down the road. All right, so last question. 2022, we'll get New York. Who else can we expect to see uh, come online or pass legislation? Well, Ohio recently enacted a sports betting law, and that should take uh, 
around six months to launch online sports betting. The concern in states like Ohio, Louisiana, and Maryland, which have all enacted sports betting laws, but have yet to launch online, is a sort of a debate internally about whether all the companies should, should launch at the same time or whether it should be first in, first out, depending on who's licensed more quickly. Uh, so the launch in those three states is basically a, a TBA, uh, but at some point in 2022, roughly halfway to three quarters of the way through the year, I would expect those states to allow their citizens to wager online. It's a matter of licensing and the regulatory stuff being worked out. But new states that I would expect to legalize sports betting, Massachusetts has been in the queue and in the debate for the past four years. And it's just utterly shocking to me that uh, in, in what I consider to be the most fervent sports market in the country, that they're pulling up the rear, even though they don't have any of the baggage that states like California, Florida, and Texas have with state constitutions. So Massachusetts, I think, is, is pretty close to at least continuing their debate and finally making it legal. But I would also watch Georgia, states that have a very short legislative session, and I would count among those as Kentucky and Georgia, which meet between January and March, and all the business has to be done in the early part of the year. So I would look for Kentucky, Georgia, and maybe Florida on a new compact that would allow in-person sports betting at any of the eight you know, tribal properties statewide. I mean, something is better than nothing while the legal battle plays on for online. So those are the three states that I think are much more likely to come online at the, at the beginning part of the year. And California is going to size up to be probably the most heavily contested state in the history of post-PASPA legalized sports betting, where if they, they have four measures that may be on the ballot, two tribal initiatives, a card room sponsored initiative that folds in the professional sports venues, as well as the sort of the online sports betting operator led initiative, which has DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, Win, Penn National. With four initiatives, it will be close to half a billion dollars or more of advertising to sort of win the hearts and minds of California voters. And with four initiatives, only one can pass. Not only does yours have to win, but you've got to get more than the others. It goes forward as is, or even with two initiatives, this will set the record for campaign spending on a ballot initiative in California's history. I think 500 million is the starting point on the spend. Well, Dan, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Thanks for updating us on all that we can look forward to in 2022, especially with New York State. Hopefully Louisiana gets going. Hopefully Maryland gets going. Hopefully Ohio gets going. Great to see you. Happy holidays. Follow at Wallach Legal, W-A-L-L-A-C-H Legal on Twitter for my compadre, Simon Hunter. I am Chad Millman. This has been The Favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Download us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, love you. Love you.